Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our live broadcast. Today we are looking at just three short, uh, no, we'll do five, five short suttas from the Anguttara Nikaya. Numbers 53 to 57. The first three are, are the most uh, interesting. Well, we'll deal with the first three anyway to start with. The Buddha says, if just for the time of uh, the snapping of fingers, Just that long. A bhikkhu, someone who has seen the danger of attachment, is to pursue a mind of loving kindness. He is called, he or she is called a bhikkhu, who is not devoid of jhana, who acts upon the teaching of the teacher who responds to his advice and who does not eat the country's alms food in vain. How much more than those who cultivate it? That's it. The first one, uh, the, the other two are, are almost the exact same wording, just one word is different. Pursues, develops, attends to, three words. Seems that perhaps the Buddha gave the same discourse three times, or maybe he repeated himself three times with different wording. Or maybe he just used the three words in conjunction and they were split up into different discourses. Anyway, the point is, and it's a really good point, a quite important point, that goodness, good good actions are done in a moment. All the good that we do is momentary. All the evil that we do, everything that we do, karma of any sort, good or bad, is momentary. You accomplish a good deed in a moment. You accomplish a bad deed in a moment. Good and evil are accomplished in a moment. Because it seems kind of uh, insignificant to practice loving kindness for a moment, right? If just for a moment you wish for all beings to be happy. Seems like just a moment wouldn't do much, but I think the point he's trying to make is, as far as I can ferret out the meaning of these teachings and the wisdom of the Buddha, is that the power of goodness, it, it isn't, doesn't get stronger over time. If you have one moment of love, there's an incredible power in just that one moment, one moment of friendliness. 
And this goes with all good uh, mind states. They occur in a moment. So if you're looking for uh, the benefit of your good deeds, the benefit of your meditation practice, the benefit of anything, it has to be in the quality of that mind. The benefit is is inherent in the quality of a moment. So you, you can't say, oh, I've been practicing meditation for an hour now and I don't feel like I've gotten anything. Or a week, or a month, or a year. And I don't feel like it's helping me at all, or I'm not sure, or I'm wondering whether this year is helping me. You can walk and sit all day long, day in and day out, and get nothing from it. You can become enlightened in just a moment. It depends on the quality of the moment. Chitte sangirite dukati patikanka, jitte asangirite sukati patikanka. It's the mind. If the mind is defiled, it leads to a bad destination. We've been through this, right? And if you look at the 56 and 57, it says the same thing. Whatever qualities are unwholesome, partake of the unwholesome and pertain to the unwholesome. All have the mind as their forerunner. This is the uh, Dhammapada verse 1 all over again. Mind arises first followed by the unwholesome qualities. Bad stuff comes from the mind. And mind is only momentary. You have to put these two together to understand the mind isn't a uh, isn't a continuous thing, an entity that exists. A mind arises, depends on the mind, depends on an individual mind state. So the cultivation of good deeds, the Buddha says, how much more than those who cultivate it? Talk about one moment being great. Wow, how much more great is it if someone actually cultivates it? So the cultivation consists merely of the accumulation of moments of goodness. If you cultivate goodness in one moment, that's one good thing. Ajahn Tong would often bring this up in uh, the simile of the raindrops. If you look at a single raindrop, it doesn't seem to have that much power to it. It's not that much water in a single raindrop. But if you get lots of raindrops together, it can do great uh, great things, great damage, great work. Last night I left our tent out. We have this 10-foot uh, tent that we were using, we're going to use to teach meditation when we yeah, set it up places. I set it up in the backyard thinking, well, it'd be nice, maybe meditators want to go and meditate in the backyard. The accumulation of raindrops and it broke. It's, it, it collected rain uh, on top. Then this morning I heard snapping sounds and it broke into pieces. It's the power of lots of raindrops. Our, you know, because you wouldn't think, you know, yeah, just a little bit of rain. What could it do? And the same thing goes with these 
moments, metta jitta, a mind of friendliness. You accumulate that, it becomes a habit. And those habits can be incredibly powerful. You want to become a loving person? You want to become a kind person? You want to become a mindful person? You want to become a wise person? The person is created by the moments. If you have moments of goodness, built up, accumulated, uh, if your, your goodness is consistent, that becomes who you are. But I think it's. I think there's a great encouragement to be had here. When you feel discouraged about whether you're actually doing any good, don't think about the long term. Think about the moments. Feel encouraged that if you have one moment of goodness, the Buddha said you're doing you're doing the good work. If you think like that, it's very encouraging and and. It's a, a great support for a practice to think in terms of moments. Forget about the past. Forget about the future. I've been practicing for an hour, a day, a week, a month. Focus on the moment. What am I doing in this moment? When you're mindful in this moment, when you cultivate goodness in this moment, that's where goodness comes from. from that mind so that's a little bit of encouragement I don't have a lot more to say I think we'll just stop there if you have any questions happy to take questions hi Robin hello Bhante you're back with us I am. You went to work today, no? Yes. How was that? I had 292 emails waiting for me. Wow. <laughs> you work so hard when you take time off. I think it all equals out in the end. You have to make up for the time that you're away. Well, so. I think it bears repeating on, on, on the air how fortunate we are to have your support and and help and how much you did this week thank you i center all set up thank you i always enjoy being at the center looking forward to going back soon so where did you leave off yesterday well i think we're just down at the bottom okay just got a couple questions well how about 23 hours ago no i don't think so i'm highly analytical and have a strong tendency toward thinking was that on last night's broadcast yeah we're, we're done all those oh, okay What does the Anjali symbol with one, two, three, et cetera, under heading one mean? I think uh, that's a question people ask a lot. It's just like, um, like 
a like on Facebook, a Facebook like. Yeah, it's just some silly thing to waste your time, actually. Yeah. It's support, digital support. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm going to click all of them. Thank you very much for all you have taught us. I have a question regarding discipline. I have a serious problem with that aspect of my life. I began meditating in January, but I have not been very constant about meditating. Do you have any recommendations or exercises to train discipline? Thank you. I mean, you have to break it apart into what's really going on. Why are you not disciplined? And the only way to, 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 to change it is to actually look at who you are and what's going on in your daily life. What are the things that are keeping you from meditating? Do you dislike meditating? Do you feel aversion towards it? Like it's a chore? Well, that aversion might be a problem. Or are you addicted to certain other activities? And you have to look at that addiction. It's not easy. Meditation is not something that comes easy to most people, especially in this day and age. Now everyone's out playing this new game. There's a game called Pokemon Go. I don't really know what Pokemon is. I think it's, I understand that it stands for Pocket Monster. That's about all I know about it. You do something like training these things or something. Well, you but catch them. Apparently everybody, you catch them. Huh? Yeah, there's something about throwing things at them or something. Well, it's, it's, you know, where you walk around now and you catch them on your phone, I guess. Yeah. And Apparently everyone's out catching these things. Yeah, oh. and they're in cemeteries and churches and all different kinds of places. So it's, it's kind of real controversial because there are people coming out with studies that it's great for people because it gets them outside and it gets mm -hmm. them to interact with other people and it's wonderful. And it's other cute. people are saying there are people falling off cliffs because they're mm -hmm. so intent on catching the Pokemon. They don't notice what's actually going on around them. And I guess some people have gotten hurt, so two sides when I heard about it first immediately I thought of Fahrenheit 451 actually what did I know um, I think I did anyway I've been thinking about Fahrenheit 451 um, the it's actually somewhat unrelated so maybe it was something else I was thinking of but uh, it's the same sort of idea where we've we've supplanted reality with some sort of entertainment, right? They're not going outside to be outside. They're going outside because this com the computer is now everywhere, right? The, it doesn't really have that much to do with Fahrenheit 451, except, you know, the, if, any, if you've read the book, then you know about the family where they have this room where you actually interact with it. But the point being that no one's really paying attention to reality anymore. I mean, you might be able to argue that um, Pokemon Go is somehow making people become more aware that there was something about them uh, actually actually learning about the world around them because they were going outside, right? But that's not reality. I guess the only thing, I, I bring it up, I meant, want to mention it because um, our minds are not interested in meditation. Our minds are not inclined towards meditation as a, as a global society now. They're inclined in other ways. But it's not easy. We should have we should have a meditation go app or something. 
where you uh, where you, you somehow are able to record uh, walking mindfully like uh, if you walk somewhere mindfully walking walking at the end of it you push a button to to record that you did that and you get rewards or something points well there was an interesting article about oculus rift in buddhism a, a while oh, back and I, it was and it was uh, well, the article that I was reading, it, it was suggesting that it, it could be a potential where a person who has a meditative experience can somehow, through the Oculus Rift, you know, record that and transmit it so that someone else can experience what they experienced. Who knows, you know, how, how far that would go. Uh, I used and uh, do visited me in when I was in Thailand, and, and I used the HTC... Vive, I think it's called, or is it Sony, or I don't know, it's HTC, I think, the Vive, which is like a competitor to the Oculus Rift, I think. My uncle has it, his company, his um, his production company has the, the Vive, and they're really keen to make movies that are three-dimensional, or whatever, immersive. And uh, so I, I went up, <laughs> it was great, I went up on this cliff and uh, meditated, sat down on the cliff, and meditated, and you know, and uh, it was in an air-conditioned room, so it felt <laughs> felt like I was up on the. It was nice, you know. I thought, well, this is interesting. I mean, obviously, we're not um, we're not fixated on pleasant surroundings, but for a beginner meditator, you know, to take them out of it, and and honestly, to sit there up on the cliff was really it's really refreshing to you know, be able to sit there and you know you look around and, and then there's this little dog and you throw a stick and the dog catches your stick that's really a bizarre experience but uh, it was nice to sit and meditate and then there was an under the sea one where you know it's not really all that appropriate in, in insight meditation but for a beginner meditator you could argue that it's somehow helpful yeah, they they also were talking about um like dhamma meetings where i mean you've yeah. done something similar in in second life but this would be taking it to the next level well where the you... other thing i was thinking is if uh you i mean meetings i i, I think are, we were talking i was talking about that with one of uh, the partners of this living films company um or the the main guy um, and there is stuff about that, but easier might be to, or more simple, um, would be the idea of, um, yeah, three-dimensional people might be difficult, but like if you're sitting there up on the cliff and suddenly the monk, a monk, a teacher walks over and, and, and he explains meditation to you and, uh, you know, to get the sort of that kind of atmosphere, it might be interesting. It's a pretty awesome world we live in. Yeah, I don't know. What advice do you have for extending our meditations? Yeah, it's sort of the same answer as the last one. What is it that's keeping you from extending your meditations? Work on that. I mean, 
long longer meditations require several things they require the cultivation of of sustained mindfulness because otherwise you go crazy if you sit too long um they require bodily flexibility so you've got your body has to loosen up and it'll do that naturally as the mind loosens up but um, it's sort of a progression you have to you have to really get into meditation before you can start to extend your your sessions I have been trying to perceive goodness arise in myself and others. It is enjoyable and it makes it easier to have goodwill to people I don't normally like. Is this part of the mudita development? Yeah, we're not so not so much yourself, but perceive the goodness in others. Yeah, that could be mudita. You know, there are more simple ways to, than, than perhaps uh, investigating investigating good people's good qualities. And the other thing is that you're trying to have appreciation of, of uh, even people who you wouldn't normally appreciate, right? So, yeah, no, I mean, that's sort of what you're saying, but... I just, you don't have to be all that um, specific about it. There are simple ways of practicing mudita. And, and if you're really practicing mudita, the best thing is to try and be systematic about it. and Just do it as a meditation practice. But no, I mean, appreciating people's good qualities is an important practice. Power to you. Go for it. All four of the Brahma Viharas are, are good, sort of good things to cultivate as a person, you know, to be Buddhist, to cultivate the four Brahma Viharas. So, yeah, thinking about them, being conscious of our uh, intolerance, to be more tolerant, and our cruelty, to be more kind, our jealousy, to be more uh, appreciative. Games that don't teach too much entertainment, constant entertainment, is this good? No, it's not so good. I mean, it's not a killer. It's not a showstopper, but it, um, it, it'll, it'll hold you back, drag you down. Is it appropriate to try to cultivate a certain amount of enjoyment for the meditation process itself? I mean, it's probably the wrong word. You have to be careful with enjoyment because if you're seeking out enjoyment, you got a problem. But um, you know, appreciation, sort of contentment with it, um, a state of even a state of pleasure isn't bad. But enjoyment, enjoyment and pleasure, like happiness. You can be happy practicing, but if you enjoy the happiness, it gets to be problematic because there's a liking and it becomes an addiction, a partiality. I wouldn't worry about trying to like things or trying to enjoy things. 
but uh, if if it's unenjoyable if it's unpleasant then you've got a problem just get rid of the unpleasantness is is really enough once you're at peace with the meditation then it's smooth sailing but if you get into enjoying yeah, then what do you do when it's unenjoyable right i mean when the, when the enjoyment fades it's not necessarily wrong it's just a difficult word and it's easy to fall into um, desire and, and clinging that kind of thing if you think of it that way Ken Tapp's comment is I find mudita difficult but compassion easy so I'm not sure if that's a question just well, that's comment. why I say you you can look up the sort of systematic ways of practicing and if you're interested it's worth going through the Visuddhimagga's um, description of mudita of the four brahmaviharas and practicing it systematically rather than just trying to do it in the in your daily life right? want to become because if you get systematic about it then it's much easier you're much stronger as far as cultivating it in, in your daily life it's good to spend some time cultivating these four would it be fair to say the one that's hardest to cultivate is the one that you probably need to cultivate the most mm -hmm. perhaps yes most likely but i wouldn't pay too much attention to these because what we're aiming for is purity of mind and that comes from the, the deepest level that comes from insight meditation and if you've become accomplished in insight meditation then all four of the brahma viharas will come easy the more you practice the more easy they become many questions tonight it's a monday night we don't have so many viewers either still a good number but we had 50 last night anyway happy to come out here every night thank you all for tuning in i guess we'll end it there if you have more questions save them for tomorrow thanks robin for coming on thank you bante good mm -hmm. night